Amen. Thanks, you guys. All right. So, Doxa Church, grab your Bibles um, and find your way to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. All right, that we are three weeks into this teaching series that we have titled Sent, where we're kind of just looking at, studying, considering the Great Commission of Jesus. And, and I know that like with it being Mother's Day, we maybe should have pushed pause on this and done like a teaching of like Mary and she's a mother or something like that. But we're going to keep going. And if you hang with me, I will can guarantee you there will be a Mother's Day moment somewhere in this. I'm 90% sure. Okay. But if you don't have a Bible, all right, as we get into the Bible today, and we would love to give you one. So if you on your way out can stop at the info corner at the end of the coffee bar, we got Bibles there that we'd love to give you as a gift. Grab one for yourself, a couple for your family. Um, we're going to, our propensity as a church is we just kind of open up the Bible as we gather like this and we go through kind of book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so we have two more weeks of this series through the Great Commission. And then we're going to take like a 10 week journey through the, the letter of First John. And so if you are wondering what we're doing next, I would, cons- I would encourage you to start reading First John. Five chapters, you can knock that out. And, and I would just say keep reading that. Um, and to prepare to learn from God and to see how God would, would shape us and, and change us as we go through that. But Matthew 28 is where we're at today. We're going to start in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, now, as we consider this great commission of Jesus, we've been talking about how these are some of Jesus's last words. They're very important, very intentional words that quite honestly have become some of the most familiar and like significant verses to Christianity today. And last week, I even said that, that these few verses are some of the most important to establish kind of the ongoing activity and rhythm of the church, not just throughout history, but even today at Doxa Church here in Madison, Wisconsin, because as we look at this Great Commission, what we're talking about is we're talking about going. We're talking about sending, we're talking about sharing the gospel. And this is really just a driving force for us here at Doxa because it's a direct implication of the gospel in our lives that the gospel came to us on its way to someone else, and the way that it goes to someone else is by us going into the everyday stuff of life and simply just opening up our mouths and sharing this great gospel, this great good news. But I wanna just even start by saying this, okay? Because you could hear this, and if you've been around for the last several weeks or months or so, you can watch like church plant teams kind of be sent out, you can watch missionaries be sent out of this place to go to a new place, and, and you might be tempted to think, Okay, this is what the Christian life is all about, right? And you could begin to think like, okay, I think I I got it now. Like my life with God is primarily about going. My life with God is primarily about giving and sharing, and this is what it truly means to faithfully and truly walk with God. And I'll tell you that while there is like truth in this, and this is so important, we need to be reminded that this is only part of the equation. I need you to understand that this is where Jesus finished, but this is not where he started. And this is very, very significant because Jesus finishes his earthly ministry with this great commission, but before he gets to this great commission, he gives a great commandment. And what I want you to understand is that commandment fuels commission. 
And this is where we're going to start because this is so significant as we think about our lives with God. Commandment fuels commission. So let me just explain this to you, okay? In Matthew chapter 22, uh, if you remember this, like a religious leader asked Jesus, what is the greatest and most important commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus said. It's going to be up here on the screen. This is what Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the truth is that this commandment actually fuels the commission. And this commandment, all right, don't miss this. This commandment is really what drives every single Christian. This commandment is what drives every Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church. And this commandment is all about love. That in effect, what Jesus is saying is that when you seek to know God's love and to make it known, you're really released from every other obligation in the word of God. If you look at the Apostle Paul, he says in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, that, the, that love is really the fulfillment of the law. And so, Doxa, it's love that is the inspiration and the driving force behind everything that Christians do and behind everything that we do as a church, including fulfilling this great commission. And if you, and if you look at the words of Jesus... Like, he made no doubt what the most important thing is. He talks about the primacy of love. For example, John 13, again, it's up here on the screen. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And John even stressed this same point, saying this in 1 John chapter 4. He says, beloved... Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another." And the Apostle Paul even went so far to say in 1 Corinthians 13 that without love, like nothing else even really matters that we do. And so it's the great commandment to love God and to love others that fuels the great commission to go and to send and to share. That God's desire for us is that we would receive his love and then give it away, thus fulfilling the great commission. And so as we think about these two ideas, commandment and commission, the great commandment to love God and love others is really just a call to intimacy. And then the great commission to go and make disciples is really just a call to fruitfulness. And so, Doctor, the reason I start here today is because I want to reinforce the prime reality that we talk about all the time as we gather as a church, that intimacy with Jesus fuels fruitfulness for Jesus. It's this idea of withness that we keep talking about. And so if we get one thing right here at Doxa, it's that we would love God. If we get one thing right, that we would love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, because if we love God like that, this will result in our lives being more and more like Jesus, and the commandment and commission will overflow from us rather than being something that we have to discipline ourselves and white knuckle to try and make happen every day of our life. If we love God, it will naturally flow from us. So as we talk about this great commission to go and to give and to share, I need you to know that you cannot give what you don't have. Please understand this, that you can't go and give what you have not first received. 
And so before we go, we need to receive. And, and this, this truth like landed on me many years ago as I was watching a National Geographic television show, okay? So, so I, I get into this, I get into these, I get sucked into like National Geographic, all this stuff. I was watching this thing like years ago and it was like this remote tribe that was just impoverished, they were, they were dying out, they didn't have food. And I remember there was a, a picture, it was a, a woman nursing her child. And this is not the Mother's Day moment, okay? Just not, but, it, but it works, okay? But it was a woman nursing her child and the child was just like screaming bloody murder. And, I was, and it was just like, okay, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden the commentator came on and said, this woman hasn't eaten for over a month and she's trying to feed her child but her body is not producing any type of milk because she hasn't eaten and this child is starving to death. And I remember in that moment, like the Holy Spirit just was like, this is what you so often try and do. You try and give away when you're not receiving. You haven't been fed by the word of God and you're trying to teach the word of God. You can't give what you don't have. And so for, in order for us to give and to fulfill this great commission, we first need to receive. And so it starts with Jesus. It starts with him loving us, and then that love fuels our obedience to go to others and give away what we have been given. And even when we watch the ways of Jesus, this is what he did with his disciples. That if you're familiar with the Gospels, that Jesus gathered his disciples to himself and then he scattered them to the nations. And it was in that order. He gathered and then he scattered. And so for us as a church family, if we truly want to seek to be obedient and fulfill the Great Commission, it needs to be out of the overflow of the love that we receive from Jesus, that we need to have personal rhythms and corporate rhythms of gathering with Jesus, experiencing his loves, hearing his words, receiving this love, and then we scatter for Jesus, going and giving away everything that we have received. So commandment fuels commission, and this is what a disciple of Jesus is all about. So if you look back to Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples. Doxa, following Jesus means making disciples. That following Jesus is not like first and foremost about having daily times in the Bible. It's not about just giving to the poor. It's not about your prayer life. But Jesus says, go and make disciples. And the standard definition of disciple is someone who just adheres to the teaching of another. And so when we talk about a disciple, it's a follower or a learner. And it refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. And the reality is, I don't know if you know this about your life, but we have always been involved in disciple-making, every single one of us. Not always in disciple-making for Jesus, but I, I want you to know that we are all a disciple. The question you have to ask yourself is this, though. Who is it that you're following? And the reality is that we all have disciples. But again, the question is, who are you influencing and in what direction? Because each one of us follows someone and every one of us carries a, a significant influence over someone else. I want you to hear the way a, a guy named Mark Dever speaks about this, this idea of, of discipling and a disciple in his book, Disciple Making. He says this, and I quote, to be a human is to be a disciple. God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice between discipleship and independence but between following him and following Satan. We are all disciples. The only question is, of whom? And this would be a great conversation for you guys to have in your connection groups this way, this week. Who is it that we're actually following? How are we influencing others? 
So a disciple of Jesus at the foundation is someone who loves God and loves people. And this is what God is seeking to produce through our obedience through the Great Commission, to come alongside the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to reproduce people who love God and love people just like Jesus. And so if the goal is this, if this is the goal with this commission, and this is what it's all about, here's the big question we have to ask. How do we actually make disciples? Like if this is what Jesus says, he says in his final words, go and make disciples. And this is like a really important thing, like how do we actually do this? And here's what I love. Guys, we don't have to like dream up an a innovative strategy. We don't have to like be, just like come up with our own ways. But all we have to do is just open up the Bible and actually just listen to what Jesus says here. And Jesus helps us right in this, these verses that we're considering how we make disciples. So look back to Matthew 28 again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so what is involved in making disciples? I wanna give you four non-negotiable facets to consider today, which if we live these things out, this will result in God being glorified and people being helped. But at the core minimum, here's what disciple making involves. It's sharing the word, showing the word, teaching the word, and serving the world. All right, so first, sharing the word. And this is absolutely foundational to making disciples. And here's what I mean by sharing the word. That we speak the gospel as we live according to the gospel. And I want you to know it's the gospel that Jesus came to announce. That when we look at Jesus as he walked on earth doing ministry, we see him saying a lot of different things. But if we look at the way that he started his ministry, we learn what it was that he was ultimately about. If you look at Mark chapter 1, it's going to come up here on the screen. This is Jesus' inaugural address. This is him coming in and starting his ministry and saying, this is actually what I'm all about. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus came sharing the word sharing this gospel, this good news. And so we, as we go and make disciples, we do it just like our Jesus. And it always starts with the gospel. It starts with sharing the gospel, that we speak about the gospel as we live according to the gospel, just like Jesus. And the gospel, as we talk about all the time, is the thing that we need above everything. And if you're newer to Christianity, newer to the Bible, the gospel is the the news of the good news. And this gospel needs to be spoken and shared. And I really need you to understand the significance of this. Because some of you, you've grown up in the church, you you know a lot, you've heard a lot, and you've heard the words attributed to a man named St. Francis of Assisi. We're not sure if he said this, but it's attributed to him a lot of times. But he said, share the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. You've heard that. Share the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And this is like a nice saying that really just emphasizes the importance of loving people as Jesus loves. But the problem with this is that no one will come to know Jesus. No one will find forgiveness of sin, become a disciple, and find eternal life and joy through you being nice to them. Do you know that? The gospel is good news that needs to be shared. It needs to be spoken. And the gospel is this, is that Jesus Christ is God. 
And he lived without sin, he died on a cross for your sin, and he rose to death to conquer Satan's sin, death, hell, and the wrath of God. And the truth is that we all have sin in our lives that separates us from God. And there's nothing that any of us can do to fix that problem, to remedy that problem. And you can spend your entire life trying religion and trying spirituality and trying morality and trying philanthropy. You can do so many different things, but all of those things, they might make you look better to people around you, but it doesn't affect anything about your standing with God. It doesn't affect anything about the sin issue in your life because it's only Jesus, God our Savior, who can fix our sin problem. And the gospel is that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And unless you repent of your sin, meaning you turn from your sin and you trust in Jesus, you do not have eternal life with God. And this is a truth that cannot be shown by holding a door open for someone. This is a truth that cannot be shown by being generous and giving away your money. That I can't show you this by any good, nice, philanthropic, justice-oriented thing that, we, that I can do because no one will come to know Jesus and see what Jesus does by any of those actions. That to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, it takes verbal explanation. That someone has to articulate this gospel. Someone needs to share it and make disciples. And the reason I mention this is because with many Christians, Right, we, we just wanna do the good thing and the nice thing instead of saying the hard thing. And I'll tell you, the gospel is in fact hard because it confronts all of us and it shows every single one of us that we aren't as good as we think we are and that we actually need help. And people don't like to hear this. And people get mad. The gospel is in fact hard, but this is what must happen. We have to share the gospel because this is how people come to know Jesus and come to find Jesus and find eternal life. This is what Jesus was all about. This is what Jesus did, and this is what he commissioned us to do. And so we go and we share the world word. But let me say this. I, I know even as I talk about this gospel, there are people here today that you're not trusting in Jesus, you're not following Jesus, you're not putting your faith in this gospel. And if you're here and that's, and that's you, I, I wanna just tell you I love that you're here because it wasn't that many years ago that I was in that exact same spot. And so I love that you're here. I'm honored to teach you the Bible and to share this gospel with you. But I love you enough to tell you the hard truth that apart for Jesus, from Jesus, there is only condemnation for your sin ahead of you. And so I'm just gonna plead with you this morning Lay down your rebellion. Lay down your pride. Just lay it all down and simply embrace the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the righteous one, he died for your sins and he is the only way. He rose for your salvation. It's the only way. And if you would come to Jesus, if you would accept this gospel, forgiveness, of sin, right standing with God, eternal life with God, escaping the terrible reality of hell is through him and it's a gift to you by faith alone. It's nothing that you did because it's all about what Jesus did. And so I plead with you, I've been praying for you all week that you would see your great need for a savior and you would see God's great love for you through Jesus. So come to him today.
That's all I can do is just plead with you for your joy, for your eternity. Come to Jesus. This is why this church exists. Just come share this word. Now, as we talk about the gospel, this gospel that we share, here's one of the things that is so encouraging to me. All right? The word gospel is used over 100 times in the New Testament. And the word literally means good news. But I want to point out that oftentimes it's not just referred to as the gospel. But oftentimes it's, it's qualified. For example, if we can put up that Mark 1, 5, 14 verse again. All right, Jesus began his ministry and he came proclaiming not just the gospel, but specifically what? The gospel of God. The gospel of God. And so it's not just the gospel that we share, but it's the gospel of God. And Doxa, I want you to know that this is so important. We can quickly read past this, but we have to stop on it. Because as we make disciples, we're sharing the word, we're sharing the gospel, we need to remember that this is not from man. This is not a self-originated idea, but it's the gospel of God. It's this striking truth that should really just cause us to stop and to ponder, that we don't share the gospel of truth, we don't share the gospel of hope, but we share the gospel of God. It's God's gospel, as opposed to every other human philosophy or idea that exists in our world. It's God's, he authored it and it belongs to him. And I just share this because I wonder if you realize what an incredible gift it is to have this gospel. That we live in a day of relativism, in pluralism, where everything is more or less relative. Where people will ask us, right? Like, how do you know for certain that you're right? How do you know for certain that this is actually the truth of this gospel? How do you know? And the truth is, Doxa, if it were our gospel, we wouldn't know. We don't build our church on this gospel. We don't build our lives on this gospel because we think that we figured out something. We're more s smart than other people. We, we have it like a deeper spirituality and we just figured something out and we're just like smarter than other people. We believe that this truth is God's gospel and that changes everything. That it's not from man, it's from God and this gives us ultimate certainty, security and ultimately an eternal hope. Because the reality is, if you just think about it, there have been many men and women throughout the history of the world who had said great things about the truth of life. Men like Buddha, Muhammad, the Dalai Lama. And there are millions of pages written in hundreds of thousands of books that seek to give good news for us in our lives today. But I want you to understand, those are all from the minds and the mouths of men and women. And all the religions of the world, apart from Christianity, are based upon the teachings of man, but we stand on the gospel of God, not man. And there's security in this. And I'll even say this, even for you, part of Doxa Church, if someone asks like what you believe, you should never say, well, my pastor says this, or my church believes this, because it's not our truth. It's God's truth. It's the gospel of God, amen? We're not trying to manufacture something and come up with something. It's like we have God's gospel and we're simply just saying, here, it's the gospel of God. And so the gospel is the good news of the saving work of Jesus for your salvation, which is authored by God. And so we make disciples. And as we make disciples, it starts with sharing the word, this great gospel of God. And I'll ask you this. This is something that you can think about and talk about in your connection group this week. Like, do you love people enough to give them this gospel of God? And I want to keep putting that in front of you because the truth is, is like, I mean, we talk about, like, how much do you have to hate someone to not give them this gospel? 
this good news that came to you? Will you love people enough to give it away? Now look back, secondarily, as we make disciples, Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the whole, of the Holy Spirit. And so we make disciples by sharing the word, but also by showing the word. That baptism is part of what it means to make disciples because baptism symbolizes union with Jesus and really just inclusion into the family of God through faith. And when we talk about baptism, we're, we're talking about a command given to us by the Lord Jesus himself. And I wanna just spend just a, a minute on this idea of bapti- baptism, okay? Because when someone is baptized, they're showing the saving work of Jesus in their life. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter six. Listen, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so baptism is just this outward picture of an inward reality that a person, as they go under the water, it represents their death to sin their burial of their old life, and when they come up out of the water, it's a picture of them resurrecting to new life in Jesus. And so baptism is really just the sign and the seal of our membership into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And biblically speaking, baptism is really just synonymous with being a disciple, that they go hand in hand. And you'll see this as you read through the Bible. The New Testament knows nothing of unbaptized Christians. That to be a Christian is to follow Jesus' words, works, and ways, of which baptism is something that he commands us to do and something that he himself actually did. And so if we say that we're following Jesus but we're not baptized, we're actually not really following Jesus in his words and ways. And And I want you just to be able to think about that. And it's important to note that you don't have to be baptized to be forgiven of sin and become a Christian. It's Jesus alone through faith alone. But once you become a Christian, your public declaration involves baptism. It's an act of obedience, which is what Jesus shares in verse 20. If you look, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Observe, meaning obey. And so I want to humbly and lovingly share this. And I do this because as a Christian, as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, as a friend who just cares for you and is seeking to follow Jesus myself, But to help you follow Jesus and mature as a disciple, I need you to know that if you have like come to Jesus for salvation and you're following Jesus today and you have not been baptized, you are living in direct disobedience to Jesus. You just need to know that. And this is really, really significant. There's a man named John MacArthur. He says it like this, and I think this is true. Listen, he says, the person who is unwilling to be baptized is at best at best, a disobedient believer. If they are unwilling to comply with this simple act of obedience in the presence of other fellow Christians, they will hardly be willing to stand for Christ before the unbelieving world. And while this disobedience will not affect your eternal salvation, I want you to understand it will affect your present intimacy and your joy. Because when we're walking in disobedience, what we do is we stifle the Spirit's movement in our lives. And this is what the Apostle Paul shares in in Ephesians chapter four, that disobedience and sin in our lives, even after coming to Jesus in faith, it affects and it hinders our relationship with God. And it's not that we lose our salvation because God doesn't lose Christians, but it impacts our intimacy with him. 
And so if you're following Jesus and you haven't been baptized, let me just say for your joy, for your intimacy, for your sanctification, you need to get baptized. That baptism is is not an optional extra for followers of Jesus. And we would love to help you take a step of obedience. You can go to our website, you can go to the the info corner at the end of the coffee bar, and we would love to help you actually take steps of obedience in following Jesus in this. And so as it relates to making disciples, Jesus says it's about teaching them, teaching them to obey all that he commands us. And that's to say that making disciples is more than just helping people to meet Jesus and find salvation. This is where it starts, but it's then that we walk through life together as a family of God and we model for one another how to follow Jesus and we, we teach them what Jesus says and we live in light of that, which baptism is something that Jesus mentions here. And, but this all leads to the third aspect of making disciples and it's this, it's to teach the word. That as we do life with one another, we teach one another. We teach one another how to pray how to study God's word, how to grow in Christ, how to share the gospel, how to love people, how to lead people, and the list goes on. We, we teach each other how to do this. And so disciple making, and making disciples is not just like, okay, hey, I have Christian friends, we hang out, we work out, we get coffee together. It can be that, but it must involve intentionality with teaching each other how to follow Jesus and live our lives for the glory of God and the good of others. So when Jesus says in verse 20, if you look back, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, here's what this means. All right, as followers of Jesus who are making disciples, Jesus' teaching ministry is to be our teaching ministry. This is what, this should mark our lives as Christians, that we don't just receive God's word, but we reproduce God's word by teaching other people And if you think about your walk with Jesus, you heard the gospel from someone else. You've grown in the gospel and maturity from someone else. I think about that with me. And for you moms, again, this is not the Mother's Day moment, but I even think about my mom. How she taught me to be generous. How she taught me to trust God. How she taught me what it looks like to lay down your life and to serve. She taught me these things. And we need to be taught and we need to teach others. And I wonder if you know the gift of this book that is in your hand right now. Right, this is a book that God wrote. That every word of scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable to us. And this truth literally just informs our understanding of Jesus' commission to teach. That teaching helps us to grow in maturity, to grow in the likeness of Jesus. It's the process of discipleship. And so for the younger Christians who just became a Christian, the only thing that they know is Jesus is God, I have sin, Jesus takes my sin, I have eternal life. Now, that's great. And now we come alongside and we teach them. Now here's how you mature as a disciple. And for those who have been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive, we still lock arms together and we have deeper studies through this word and seeing how do, we, how do we learn more and grow and more and more because we never outpace and we never grow past the gospel, that the gospel continues to strengthen us and inform us and guide us to the day that we die. And so we teach. Now, if you look back, there's something really, really significant and I want you to see this. Verse 20 teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
All right, the emphasis here is not on acquiring knowledge. And someone here needs to know this. But the distinguishing feature is that the disciples are to obey or to conform their lives to this teaching. And this is honestly where many Christians fall short and where many of us as Christians need to grow. That we're really great, like we're not trying to produce scholars here. We're trying to produce soldiers. We want you to obey and continue on in the mission of Jesus. We don't wanna just have people that can know and rattle off the verses, but they don't do anything with them. Like we don't wanna be the people, like in James chapter one, do you remember this? Where he's just like, it's not just about hearing, but it's about obeying. And James says if you hear the word of God and don't do what it says, you're missing it. You're like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And he said if you're doing that, you're actually deceived in that you're growing with Jesus. But he says the man that looks into the perfect law, the gospel, the words of God, the scripture, and does what it says, what does he say? It is then that you will be blessed. The Christian life is not just about knowledge, but it's about obedience. It's living by what you know. And so we produce obedience with discipleship, with disciple making. So we make disciples by sharing the word, by showing the word, teaching the word, and then finally, serving the world. Look back, Jesus says in verse 18, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All right, there are 3.2 billion people today, billion with a B, with little to no access to the gospel. All right, that's 40% of the world's population that is unreached with the gospel. Here's my question. Will you go? Who will go? Who will share? Who will teach? And it's my prayer that some of you, many of you, will say the same thing as the prophet Isaiah. Do you remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter six? Isaiah has this vision from God and he hears a voice asking a question. And the question he hears is God saying, whom shall I send, who will go? And this isn't just a question that God was asking Isaiah, but this is still God speaking today and asking us this question. Who will go? Who will love the 3.2 billion people who have no access or little access to the gospel of Jesus? And if you're familiar with Isaiah, as he heard this, here's what he says. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And we can look at that and say, wow, that is radical. I wanna just tell you that I look at that and I say, wow, that is Christian. We live with our open hands, listening to God, and the use of here I am, Lord, reveals purpose, that Isaiah recognized that he was here on this earth for a specific purpose, and he wanted that purpose in his life to be the Lord's purpose. And he immediately followed it with, send me, that he didn't even wait to hear from God about, well, where are you sending me? How are you sending me? But he really just wrote a blank check with his life. He put a universal yes on the table and he just said anything, anytime, anywhere for your glory and the good of the people of this world. 
And we're gonna talk more of the nations next week and we're actually gonna send off and commission a bunch of our college students at Salt Company that are going overseas this summer to do this very thing, to show the word, to teach the word, to share the word. And they're going to the nations. And we're gonna talk more about this. But Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Doxa, I'll tell you, as we love God, the great commandment, this will fuel our obedience to this commission to go and to make disciples. And it's my prayer that we would be a church that's actually about this, that we wouldn't be a church that's just like fixated on having cool events and great worship services and cookies, although they're amazing, right? All those things, like, that we wouldn't just be about this, but we would be about making disciples. And we would make disciples by sharing the word, by showing the word, by teaching the word, and by serving the world. This is our goal. This is the mission of Jesus that he died and rose to, for us to continue. And so here's how I wanna end. I wanna give you a beautiful picture of a man who lived this out. All right, his name is Paul. And in 1 Thessalonians, he shares how he sought to live out Jesus' great commission. All right, take a look at this. It's going to come up here on the screen. And this is my prayer for our church, that Paul's posture would be our posture as we go and make disciples. Paul says, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you. Paul heard the words of Jesus and then listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples, and Paul just had his yes on the table, and he went to a new place, and he says that in our coming to you, he went there with a specific reason, and it wasn't because he got a new job, it wasn't because it was an easy city to live in, it wasn't because they had a bunch of lakes and it was gonna be awesome and you can get a sailboat, no. He went because the gospel, and people need to hear the gospel, he says that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. He had a boldness with his life that he understood that this gospel was not just his made-up thing that he was trying to convince people of, but he understood that this was authored by God, that this is the gospel of God, this is the king of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, speaking to us and saying, this is what is emphatically true, and you need to know this. You need to repent and believe just like Jesus. And Paul, he wanted people to know Jesus so much that he boldly went and he said the hard thing while he loved. And he proclaimed the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And look at verse seven but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And I love this. I called my mom on the way to church this morning and just said, happy Mother's Day, I love you. She's probably watching the live stream right now. But I think about a mother's love, a good mother's love, gently coming to their kids. Paul was like, I was gentle, I was bold with the gospel, 
but I was gentle and lowly and humble, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. This is how Paul did ministry. This is how Paul sought to make disciples. And if you think about a nursing mom, I've never done it before, witness my wife, but I'll say this, a mother, as she's nursing her child, she's giving of herself. She's literally giving of her body. She's giving of her life, her energy. And even after she's nursing, she does this as her kids grow. And, and Paul says, I am modeling that. I'm trying to make disciples in that way, giving of my life, giving of my love, giving of my time, giving of my money, just like a nursing mother. And he says, verse eight, so being affectionately desirous of you, just like these moms, I love you. And he's saying, I love you. I have the love. This commandment to love God is erupting in me and it's causing me to love people. We are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you have become very dear to us. That Paul, he went and he opened up his life to love and he opened up his mouth to share and he made disciples. And if you read Acts chapter 17, we see the outcome of Paul's life. In Acts 17, it's the historical recording of him walking into Thessalonica and you know what people said? He's walking in with his, his band of brothers and they're like, there's that guy. There's that guy that's sharing the gospel and loving so well. And you know what they said of him? He's flipping the world upside down. You know what the flipped world upside down looks like? You're looking at it. People came to me, opened up their life to love, opened up their mouth to share the gospel, and God totally flipped my world upside down, saved me forgave me of sin, made me new. And that's all of our stories, and this is what our church needs to be about. Go and make disciples. Let me pray. God, I, I love you. And even as I, I think about making disciples, and even as I say that the gospel came to us on its way to someone else, God, I even just thank you for Andy right now. This friend that you gave me that came into my life and loved me enough to tell me the gospel, to teach me about Jesus, to show me what it looks like to be a man of God. And God, thank you that you used him to save my life and give me eternal life. God, I, I pray that we would all be those types of people that we would understand that commandment fuels commission and that you would help us to love you, to follow you. And that love that we experience from you, would that just do such a work in us that it would cause us to live differently among people. It would cause us to see our lives differently and we would actually join you in your commission to go to make disciples, to help people know you, Jesus. Would you cause our church to be marked by this? Would we just see hundreds, thousands of people meet Jesus because of Jesus-loving people, compelled by love, going into the world? Let that be our story. In Jesus' name, amen.